Steve Tapper clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. So I feel like this is going to, I hope it doesn't put Amy in a bad position as far as what we're going to discuss next. Um, but with the women's championship, David, um, just concluding, what were some of your observations of that versus the men's championships also in 2022? And I'm going to start with uh, Theo on this one. Yeah, I, you know, this is a, this is a, an interesting topic because the outreach that the women's championship has is unbelievable. Um, and I don't know if it's just because my connections with volleyball and, and the way that I view social media and the algorithms and what it may be, but it felt as if everywhere I looked, the women's championship was huge, huge presence on ESPN, huge presence on, uh, on social media. And <clears throat> I go back multiple years with the men's championship and I just feel like it's the polar opposite. Um, it feels like a dark side of, uh, of the moon. It feels like it gets very little attention. And, um, you know, obviously we've had many, many big conversations about why that is or how we change it. Um, and I, I, you know, to a big, to a big extent, I just don't understand why it is the way it is. Um, I think the men's game is fantastic and everyone who, who, goes and sees it and, you know, has an opportunity to be a part of it is blown away by what they're seeing. Um, the physicality, the way the game's played. I mean, it's truly brilliant. And no, you know, and that's not a knock on the women's championship because it was just as brilliant and just as exciting and, um, and should be celebrated the way that it is. Um, I don't know that I have any answers other than that, but I definitely would love to see some equalizing uh, between the two and, and have the men's game on the same platform because I think it deserves it. All right, just a heads up, Dave, I'm going to have you go last again because you, you bring a new unique perspective, <laughs> but I'm going to jump to Dan uh, on uh, next. <clears throat> Pat, my first comment as an observation, I was there for the semifinals, is it is great to see so many men's players part of these coaching staffs. So I don't know if anybody's noticing that, but uh, I know the Power Five schools certainly look up to the men's game and ask a lot and there's a lot of players that are involved in that and I think you've seen that trickle effect the past few years in terms of how the upper level women's game plays and I'm sure Dave can even touch base as he's now in the gym full time in terms of that but uh, it's pretty neat to see Metzke and there's just a bunch there's a bunch involved and even ones that are getting some of these new jobs Anders at Vanderbilt you know what I mean so a lot of a lot of good things on that side which is different than maybe our question but um I don't know I think it's it's tough I we are we're we're at I sit on another committee that's called the um, Connections Committee, and it's all the collegiate championship sports, so all the ones like gymnastics and rifle and all these kind of obscure sports that have this, you know, Division One, Division Two presence. Do you know what I mean? It, it's all about volume. I mean, Division One has 300 and some programs for women's volleyball and the Power Five schools that have lots and lots of money. And uh, where do you think this money is going to trickulate for men's volleyball? Do you know what I mean? In terms of that, like, I, I want the attention, do you know what I mean? And, but how do we get it and how do we go about it when there's not enough money being, you talked about salaries. I mean, we don't have enough salaries. And so the, there's just not the money 
that creates everything that Theo is talking about, which I would love to have. You know what I mean? So how do we find a different avenue to create some of that? I, I don't want to be on the ESPN contract. I want them when they go. So in, if you guys don't know, in 03, the ESPN contract with the NCAA is up. What does that look like? You know what I mean? And so it's so like, what are all these Olympic sports that are just trickle down effects in this contract that they really don't care about? The contract's going to care about men's and women's basketball, football. I think volleyball might get a little bit, women's volleyball might get a little voice at the table. Uh, but and every all these other sports don't. So that, you know what? Just take us off that we have to have our one game there. Let us go find a different streaming venue or platform or what the ABP. I don't know. I just I, I'm spitballing ideas, and maybe that generates a better buzz for our sport and how we can get some more traction. If we think ESPN's the end all be all for men's volleyball, I'm not sure that's the thing. You know what I mean? I think we've had some other social media accounts that have popped up in the last couple of years that have really helped driven men's volleyball, and that stuff has to continue to happen. But I don't know. I think we could continue to go on this subject for a while, but that's a little bit for me. So that's good stuff. I'm going to jump over to uh, Brad, the uh, probably the uh, youngest of the crew here. I'm not making an assumption there. <laughs> the for me, this is my first time like diving in and watching the women's final four, mostly because I had uh, um, some stakes with uh, oh, watching watching Dave and and the horns, you know. But uh, it was cool to see the support and how big it was blowing up and some friends of mine who are coaching or some friends of mine who are working it through social media and just the access they're given and the pieces they're given um, to not just help their teams, but to help spread the sport and spread the game um, and really you know, create a better experience for all the athletes who are playing and participating, which is ultimately what it's about is, you know, how can we create the best experience for those teams, coaches, athletes, that are going to represent their universities in these massive moments. And I thought it was really well done. Um, and how we do that on the men's side, I mean, right now it's kind of like everything else where a lot of the responsibility is gonna fall on the coaching staff, the support staff, and even some of the players on the team to have to help with social media responsibilities and help with different aspects that can continue to get each men's volleyball brand out and exposed. Um, you know to where we're drawing more and more people's eyes, whether it's on the TikTok scrolls or the Instagram reels and whatever other mindless activity, you know, you're doing on your phone. It's how you can be able to draw those eyes towards Lewis, George Mason, and whatever program we're representing um, is what ends up being, you know, ultimately what we're striving to do to, to help enrich the experience for all the athletes within our program. Yep. Jay. So my, mine's kind of multi-pronged here. First of all, we've been talking about volleyball, men's volleyball in general, the streaming services are where it's at. There's a billion of them out there now. And I agree with Dan. Why, why should we fight for a small piece of the pie from ESPN when ESPN is no longer the only game in town? And, you know, Universal is doing stuff with the Live Tour um uh or the love volleyball uh tour or the or the athletes unlimited sorry took me three tries it's a little early but um you know they created a a platform and a product over there that seems to be gaining some traction shit they're getting what three three professional leagues now for women's volleyball trying to be started at the same time really we can't find anybody for men's can't find anything but i digress secondly um you know we 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 kind of do ourselves a little bit of a disservice um by 
by having non-big name programs uh, being represented on some of these matches. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean that just because you're a, a, a lower recognizable name school to the average fan of sports, that it's not a quality team. If anybody here has ever seen Lewis University play, they are as good as anybody in the country at any given moment. But ask the average person about where Lewis University is or who is Lewis University, and almost nobody will be able to tell you. That's not Dan's fault. That's not his university's fault. That's the fault of the fact that the average sports fan in America that watches any type of sports on TV goes for the big name programs. That's why the USC's and the USC, UCLA's and the Penn State's and the Ohio State's of the world have some, they have some cash. They're able to walk into a room and people know who they are. So people might sit down and watch a little bit more. And last but not least, I, 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 I think at some point when we start to have some more expansion, you're going to see if the Big Ten does create a men's volleyball conference, which I think they're going to, those guys are now going to have the job of being tasked to go and work on behalf of all of us. And they know that. Those guys are all aware that when they walk into the room, their name carries a little bit of weight. Whether or not they're going to make giant steps for us or it's going to be hmm. slow moving, it doesn't matter. We're going to have a voice at the table that carries a little bit more weight than the George Masons of the world. I don't have much cash. I don't have much weight. But I know Ohio State does and Penn State does and UCLA and USC does. So those guys might be able to kind of inch the ball further a little bit forward for us. All right. Here's our uh our unique perspective person, Dave Hunt. Well, the, there were two times in the, the tournament that I distinctly thought about men's volleyball. One was in the semifinal when I turned around in the second set and saw Dan gleaming at me in the front row. <laughs> then all of a sudden I got real nervous. We were down 1-0 and Dan was looking at me and I was thinking, oh, I can only imagine what he's saying right now. Um, and then- Run the uh, back. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, I was saying the same thing. Um, the other, the other time that I was laughing was uh, we're playing Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round and there's a timeout. I don't know if it was a media timeout or what, but all of a sudden they played an ad on the big screen for men's volleyball national championship, Fairfax, Virginia, 2023. And I hit Eric. I said, <laughs> do they mean to play that? I mean, what's going on? Nice, nice. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was just cool to, to see, right? We're, we're hosting the first and second round and, and all of a sudden there was an ad for men's volleyball. So that was cool. Um, yeah, in terms of growth, expansion, all that stuff. I mean, I saw it this year where all of a sudden we were getting phone calls. Hey, your match has now changed. ESPN just picked it up, you know, and ESPN just picked up these 10 matches and uh, whatever triggered them picking all these matches up and the metrics they start looking at. I think um, somebody much, much smarter than I needs to start looking into that for men's volleyball in terms of what's important to these companies um and you're 100 right it doesn't have to be espn it can be somebody else but content uh seems to be king nowadays right so just what content's being created developed um and you got to get creative in in how that's being done you can't just sit there and complain about it you got to make it happen and i think you know I, I had a discussion a few years ago during covid with alan knight uh it was for the abca and he talked about growing their brand, right? And they've done a great job at Long Beach State. You go there and there's, you know, at least before COVID, they were selling out matches. They were getting four or 5,000 people. Hawaii's done a great job. Charlie at Hawaii's done a great job. And the fan support there. And those have taken a really long time to build. It's not just an overnight, oh, all of a sudden we got 5,000 people here. Oh, we got 10,000 people coming to watch these matches. 
it's a lot of hard work, not just by the coaches, but uh, people in administration and the community. And um, it's going to take a while. It's not going to be an overnight fix. So. Yeah. Well, interesting article on volleyballmag.com. They released the uh, Nielsen ratings for uh, this year. And apparently the viewership is a good news, bad news scenario where viewership was down, but in the targeted demographic, it was up. Uh, totally, though, is a 33.8% drop from the 1,188,000 2021. Uh, I guess that was a viewership, but it was the most viewed in that age demographic, which is the target demographic for advertisers, 18 to 48, which is out of most of our age ranges here. So um, they could care less about us. But which is odd, and to Theo's point, I have never seen that much quality social media put out for an event before. Um, you know, there were a ton of, of digital media experts that were there for the event because I know them personally that were putting the content up and it was amazing. But you would think that it would have drawn more viewership, but I guess it's only if you're on Instagram and TikTok. So it'd be interesting to see that, how that, that transpires because going to, to streaming platforms is definitely a trend. Like I'm looking at uh, watching on volleyballworld.tv. I'm looking at the men's professional matches and the kinds of crowds that are there versus the women's. And there's a significant difference. The men's are much, much bigger crowds than the women's. So I don't know. Does Volleyball World TV step in like they did for a Big Ten conference? I don't know. But I guess it's uh, to be continued. Uh, anything else on that topic, gentlemen? Did any of you guys watch? I know, David, we talked about it. But the end line view they had offered. Um, it was finally, awesome. <laughs> finally. Was like, that's exactly what I want to be seeing. <laughs> yeah, that if, if we've been banging this drum for years, stop watching it from the 50 yard line, start watching it from the end line. It's a whole different game. You they think, had the little, you think they that, had that view little marketable. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, tennis does it. True. Tennis does it. All you have to do is stay on the side of the serving team or the side of the receiving team for that matter. Just stay there for the duration of the point. Then you can go to the 50-yard line shots for all the individual stuff in between the point and then park it right behind, and you're going to be able to see everything you need. It's uh, it's it's easy to market. They yep. have the little uh, flyover camera like they have in NFL football, <laughs> and I don't think that's the one they ended up using, but, I yeah, I thought that was super cool. And then there were a few times during practice I would try to, like, toss the ball and get it close, but, yeah. <laughs> Trying to break stuff that's like twenty thousand dollars, huh, Dave? Dude, that I guess thing, I just kept trying to find where the guy was that was moving it. You know, you got to figure he was up in like some little nest area, just laughing at me. <laughs> so well, Jay, you uh, sending us one of those shirts, man? To everybody I, on the I, I, will, I will gladly send you one of these shirts if you put it on <laughs> your website. You can just put the back on if you want. That's fine. You don't have to wear the front. <laughs> <laughs> you should have with this i stayed at the hosick estate on back of it <laughs> we, we might we might need to in order to cover the cost for everybody that's already reserved a room <laughs> well let's go into what's coming up here uh the 2023 men's volleyball season and a lot of the chatter from the fan base has hawaii as a strong favorite to potentially three-peat which would be amazing but we all know that anything can happen on any given night, as we saw Ball State do last year. It just kind of surprised everyone. But, you know, Jay, you put this question for I'm like, yeah, I'm curious who would be dark horse picks for you guys this year? Um, because we know there is some really solid talent. Um, let's start with, uh, let's go with, uh, we'll start with Dave on this one. 
That's right. I can, yeah, give you my opinion now that I, I'm not in the middle of it. So uh, <laughs> Hawaii, I don't know. I don't know if they I would say favorite or whatnot, but they're going to be the most organized at the end of the year. I think they have a lot of talent. Uh, Milan does a great job in getting those guys to play together. Milan and Charlie. Milan, I've coached with him. I haven't coached with Charlie. So when I say Milan, that's just because of my familiarity with him. Uh, he's one of the coaches I have great amount of respect for in terms of his ability to train guys up, get them to play a certain way. Uh, um, they're going to defend the ball. They're going to serve the ball in aggressively. Uh, they're not going to kill themselves. You got to think that UCLA with all their talent, uh, I was pretty impressed with their freshman setter. I don't know if he's actually going to play. You guys have seen uh, probably in some fall tournaments, but I think uh, if Partain beats him out, Partain's probably playing pretty well. And then they have some pieces on the pins that'll that'll do some damage. So uh, it would be hard to, to find a group that that has as much talent as them. And John obviously knows what he's doing. And then uh, the cool one for me will be, can Stanford continue what they had going on at the end of the year? So obviously competing against those guys during the year last year, they were up and down in the regular season. And then they were playing really good volleyball at the end. So can they keep that going? They have some talented freshmen coming in. How fast is that learning curve or how quickly will they get over that? And then the last one I would say is Ohio State, I think for the Miva has got to be poised to, to make a jump. They finished middle of the pack last few years, but man, they have, they have some really good volleyball players. So those would be my people to watch. You brought up uh, something interesting there because a Miles Partain has become up in the discussion as a the second beach team to make it in with Andy Benish potentially. So what was that due to the commitment to the indoor game for Partain? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a chance to go to the Olympics, right? You probably got to seriously look at that. Um, and I don't know, right? Like, what's what's his prospects of of being an indoor player long term? Um, and good thing they have that freshman. So, you know, that makes that conversation a little bit easier. All right, I'm going to jump over to Brad here. Dark horse picks is what we're talking about for the 2023 season. Yeah, I think um, Stanford uh, was one of mine I had for sure. Um, just Rotman is a dominant player and watching him get after it is when he's on, he's tough to stop at any point. Um, and I think a couple other uh, Irvine, it's going to be really fun to watch and, and see what they're doing. Um, they've added um, some really good pieces that I think are going to help them um, at setter and, and another pin hitter as well. So seeing how they come together, I think Ball State is going to keep staying in that mix too. Um, obviously, they're the preseason favorite um, for the Miva, but I think just the talent they have, the way they play the game, um, it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues them going up and playing better and better um, with Donan at the helm. Um, but I think they're they're a team that probably not so much of a dark horse, but definitely someone to be watching and tracking. Yep. Let's go to Dan. <clears throat> well, uh, I think Penn State's got a little revenge mode, so we're going to see where those guys uh, kind of pop out on the field. I think uh, I think those guys want to get back there for sure. Um, I do think in the Miva, I think Ohio State is poised. Like uh, you know, Kevin's been there a few years and. Uh, I think the other piece is the the Hawks effect at Loyola. We saw this last year with Donan walks into Ball State, new energy, new coach, some nice pieces. I think you're going to see the same thing with Hawks at Loyola. He's going to walk in. He's got a couple nice pieces, uh, and you're going to see this new energy there, and I think you're going to see them play. So you could kind of see them be pretty good towards the end of the year. 
out west, I'm kind of on. I, I think UCLA is pretty darn talented. Um, we know Hawaii is a favorite. Long Beach is going to be good. And Stanford is the other one I would agree with those guys in terms of kind of where are they going to come out of in this mix. And so, uh, I don't know. We play Irvine and BYU to open up, so I'll get a feel for both those guys right away in terms of whether that. Uh, but, uh, yeah. All right. Let's go to Theo. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think I, I agree with all these guys. Um, Penn State, I think, is uh, is due for revenge, and and uh, that team was incredibly talented last year. I think they're going to do some damage. Uh, UCLA had an opportunity to see them this fall. It's probably one of the deepest teams that they've had since John's been at UCLA. Um, so I think that they're poised to to make some noise. They've got two incredible setters. It'd be interesting to see which one ends up taking that spot. Um, but obviously, Hawaii, Long Beach are are both fantastic. Irvine has some really, really talented players. Um, I think they could do some really nice things. And then you've got Ohio State, who I think they played McMasters, right, this fall um, and were able to beat a really good McMasters team that I think that's like 10-0 and 0 now, uh, now that they've entered into their conference. And Ohio State was able to knock them off. And and uh, and then you got Stanford, who I think is is a, a year older and, and a lot more talented and um, you know, I love the coaching staff over there and the things that they do. So I think we're in for some really, really good men's volleyball this season. It's exciting. Yep. So on the Stanford note at the, uh, right before the national championship match, I had costly with me, just kind of cruising, killing time before the match. He's like, Rob, come here. Shows me his phone, starts showing the video of his recruits coming in. He's like, oh, we're going to be good. And if Costi can do that much with what he had last year, basically recruiting walk-ons on campus just to keep his program going, and these guys come in, he has got some pretty wicked arsenal coming in. Yeah. So uh, Rotman's brother is coming in and a few other bangers at the pins. I, I'm like, wow, Costi, I don't know how you pulled it off, but I guess it helps to have another big endowment go your way too. So uh, that Stanford is the other one that got that big endowment. So let's go over to uh, Jay. Close this up. Well, I think anybody who didn't graduate much is going to be in the hunt. Uh, and I know that there are a few out there that, that have that. And I think the guys touched upon them. I think the other thing is you're starting to see the transfer portals start to become a little bit of a weapon. You know, Long Beach State picked up yeah. Sotiris from Ohio State, which was a little bit of a, a, a surprise to a few of us. But, you know, they lost Nikoloff, but they picked up that kid. He's no slouch. Uh, it's it's not like they're uh, they're losing or downgrading at all. But I, I, I absolutely will say Penn State's the under the, the dark horse in my eyes in the entire country. And the reason being is they they hiccuped at the wrong time and P Princeton played the match of their careers at the right time. And that's all that was. Princeton was not the better team that night. Uh, or I'm sorry, not the better team on the season, but they were the better team that night. And, you know, as coaches, we tell our guys all the time, you know, you can't, you can't rest. You can, you can never take a point off. You can never take a night off uh, against any opponent. And especially if you value judge somebody and say, Oh, we've got this in the bag because you're going to wake up on the next morning and you're going to have a headache. And sure enough, Penn state had that. And I guarantee you that next day, those guys were probably at the gym working out going, we're not doing that again. And so, you know, we're going to be the recipients of a couple of matches from them this year. We'll see, you know, where we stack up, but, I, I would be pretty hard pressed not to see Penn State be deep into the into the tournament come uh, late April and early May. So funny. I interviewed uh, Coach Pavlik just last week for a preview of the EIVA. And he was so low key. He's like, 
you know, but I'm looking at the paper, I'm like, you got four solid studs coming back that were big players. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, uh, NGIT, they're going to, they're going to be strong. And I'm like, what about your team, Pav? Let's talk about your team. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they, I think the only person they graduated was a libero Bantle and they picked up a libero who I'm hearing all across the board is better than Bantle already. So um, yeah, that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good graduation piece if you're going to shift one over, but uh, yeah, Penn state's going to be really good. Uh, and I, and I would not sleep on them the entire year. This is, this is the year that they're going to make the big run. We've only got uh, a few weeks so season, but if you're just an everyday fan who would use the coaches recommend uh, like two athletes to keep an eye on during the season for, you know, just the phenomenal play. Let's uh, we'll start with Dave on this one first. Ooh. I like uh, the outside hitter for, for Hawaii. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Number 23. Spiros Hakas or yeah. Chaz Galloway. No, Spiros. Chaz Galloway, I think uh, you pronounced. Yeah, Chaz, I got that one down. Um, <laughs> Spiros, uh, I mean, both these guys have similar similar traits, but Spiros um, is a little more impressive, even though they're both really impressive. Uh, just for the casual fan, right? The high flyer that, that has a good arm, that makes good volleyball plays, and um, he can play defense, he blocks, he, he can pass the ball, he serves the ball in a lot. I think that's what sometimes makes the casual fan sort of tune out a little bit is when you have some errors, true hitting errors, true service errors. And um, so he's a, he's a fun player to watch. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd stick with him. And then uh, all the Penn state talk, I just keep thinking about Wildman. Wildman's arm is, yep. is unreal. Uh, if you have a chance to watch them, just admire how good his arm is because you're not going to see a lot of guys like that. You know, he can, he can crank it up at a high level. He competes real hard and, um, I was really impressed with him over the years. So those two guys would be uh, the people to watch. Yeah, Penn State has quite the legacy of outside hitters. Matt Anderson, Aaron Russell, and Brett Wildman now. So <laughs> let's go up to Theo. Who are your two that the casual fan can totally appreciate and camp on this season? Yeah, I think Rotman is a guy that you definitely got to mention, right? Um, incredibly impressive talent, big flyer, good arm, and just a really, really high volleyball IQ. Um, a guy that I love to watch. Um, and then I think it's Sonny over at Irvine. Um, that guy is, uh, in addition to being an, an incredible athlete and a great volleyball player, he's a dog. Um, he loves to compete, loves to win. And um, I think he's really, really exciting to watch. And, and uh, we play him twice this season, and he's going to be a, a handful for sure. All right, good stuff. Not because I'm the Irvine homer on, just for the record. <laughs> Theo, that's a smart move by you. You know, if you're getting into head coaching, you just butter up the host. That was good. <laughs> Brad, take notes. Well, I know Dan's like taking notes. Sonny. <laughs> we see them at BYU. <laughs> How about you, Dan? Hey, Dan, if you don't know this Sonny guy, you're in trouble. Yeah. If the first you're in of him, you're in probably trouble. Probably not doing my job right now. Yeah, so. probably. I, Jacob Theo in Hawaii, the center. So I just uh, – like he had such a great year last year. Can he take even another step? I think uh, to me, he'd be like preseason player of the year. Like your kid's really, really talented. Uh, and we talk about his other cast members, but he's the one that really makes that team go, I think. You know what I mean? In terms of that. So, yeah, and you said Jacob uh, Steele because on my end, it kind of blipped out right when you said his name. Uh, Jacob Thiel, right? That's his oh, name. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Jakob Teller. Jakob Teller. Sorry. But anyway, <laughs> I still call him Jacob. It's easier for me. So, I, as I said, <laughs> he's talented. But I have a Norway kid, too. So, maybe that's a, a soft spot. You know what I mean? so, uh, <laughs> Uh, and then I would pick Caleb uh, from Ball State. You know, he kind of came out of nowhere and had a really good year and uh, he's a pretty crafty player. And uh, does he take the next step uh, in terms of that level of play? So I always think those guys that we – and Wildman's super talented. I think he's certainly in our national team team. But Caleb's that guy who comes out and then everybody's like, wow, this guy's really, really good. Does, does he take another step or was he a one-year thing uh, in terms of that? And so uh, I think it'll be uh, fun to watch him. All right, let's go over to Brad. Yeah, I got, uh, for me, uh, Loyola opposite Parker Van Buren. He had a good summer in the USA gym, and um, he had a really good year last year. And if he takes another step up, he could be scary. And just seeing a kid that big, that smooth, that athletic, uh, is fun to watch. Uh, and I think for the casual fan, it would be uh, something that you don't see every single day. Um, just a 6'9 guy flying around, jumping and, and bearing some balls out of the back row. Uh, and then the, uh, my last one is a two, four, we got grand Canyon, the, uh, the pin hitters, Yankee and Gianni, um, two of the best servers in the nation and just watching them from the end line, get back and rip it, uh, is fun to watch and fun to see, uh, not so fun if you're passing them and going up against them, but they're, uh, two really impressive pin hitters, outside hitters mostly, um, and seeing them get after it from the service line and them attacking, being a little undersized is really impressive to see and watch. It's the Camden Gianni, because I guess there's another Gianni, a younger one now at Grand Canyon. So Camden, legacy yeah. continues. <clears throat> All right, Jake. Yeah, one of the tough things about going last in this question segment is these guys covered almost everybody that I wanted to talk about. And I kept thinking in my head, think of another <laughs> one, think of another one, think of another one. But I will touch upon briefly on those and I'll give you two of my own. One, uh, Wildman's arm, next level. You're going to see him on the national team. He's going to be making a lot of money in the next few years playing internationally. Uh, phenomenal arm. Jakob uh, Tella at Hawaii could possibly go down as one of the best setters in men's volleyball history. If he can lead Hawaii to a three-peat, that would be absolutely ridiculous. That kid uh, is really good and runs a really good offense. And now he's got another year under his belt of experience and success. Um, Rotman, yeah, kid played him a couple of years ago when they came out to see us. He back then he was good. Now he's got a couple of years under his belt. That kid's stupid good. Uh, I'm gonna go with a couple others. <clears throat> One, uh, Jacob Pasteur at Ohio State, uh, kind of a dual threat kid, played opposite a little bit, plays outside hitter a little bit, got a really live arm and he jumps really well. Uh, he's gonna be a kid that I think is gonna take that next jump up. Uh, because I think Ohio State was a little young the last couple of years. And now they're starting to get into an age where they've got a little experience underneath their belts. And I think he's going to turn a corner. Sonny Franceschi is going to absolutely annihilate people because now he's got a setter. He's got Joe Carlos. who can throw the rock around the room at a decent rate. And Sonny can be in rhythm. That kid's going to take another jump that we're all going to be like, where did that kid come from? And I think a freshman of the year, Zach Rama at UCLA. That kid's legit good for a freshman. <laughs> Probably going to see some playing time, if not earn a starting spot uh, by the time season rolls around. That kid is head and shoulders above a lot of freshmen that came out of last class. But those are my thoughts. It's good stuff. Been hearing a lot about the Zach Rama as well. Mike, I got to see this. Got to see it because a lot of people are talking about him. Um, final question of our episode. What are you watching in week one? I know it's technically two weeks away. There are some 
exhibition matchups. Some Canadian teams are down here and like UC Irvine's playing UBC Okanagan and then McMaster's at Long Beach for two. But uh, the first real week of play is going to be the weekend that's starting the fourth. So through the eighth. So uh, what are you guys watching? I'm going to start off because it's an easy question back to Jay and then have the, uh, our consultant, our outdoor exterior consultant uh, wrap us up. I I will be watching Penn State versus Ohio State on the seventh. Um, that are those are two teams that are important to us. We see Ohio State the week after, uh, and we've all been talking about how good they're going to be this year. And the last time we played Ohio State, we beat them, but that was a while ago. And Penn State, I just want to see how good they've gotten and uh, and and how focused they are this year. If I had a couple of other matches, and I'm going to keep an eye on NGIT is playing Purdue Fort Wayne in the first weekend as well. Uh, Purdue Fort Wayne's coming is coming in later on, and NJIT is uh, slated to finish second in our league, and they were really good last year. Uh, and so that's going to be interesting. And then if I'm going to pick some wild horses, Princeton at UCLA, it's the week after, but it's going to be fun to watch because Princeton's one of those teams that they just they, they kind of almost come in cruising a little bit, and then all of a sudden they get hot and they have fun, and they can be a dangerous team if you're not paying attention to them. So, uh, I'm going to be watching those, those are my picks. You know, and I have to say, I, you know, I know that that all the conferences are burned down with a ton of work or lack of staff, but I didn't have EIBA and Neva schedules yet. So I'm hoping Jay, you've already touched on some of the EIBA matches. I'm hoping Dan, you can get a few extra ones in there for the MIBA. So we're not ignoring them. Go for it, Dan. <clears throat> Actually, I am going to be watching Theo and Brad open up their head coaching debut. That's what I'm going to be watching. They both have a couple nice, tough matches to start their seasons off. And so uh, I'll be sure to keep my eye on those guys. So, I mean, in terms of that. So thank you guys. Open up Lincoln Memorial, USC, UCLA. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, yeah, that'll be good. But uh, a little bit of Neva. I certainly think the Ohio State Penn State match is good. Uh, us and McKendry open up with Irvine and BYU out there, which is always a tough venue to play in. But uh, so that'll be exciting. Um, and then I don't believe Loyola, Ball State, or Quincy, those guys aren't playing. And I believe Lindenwood is playing at GCU, I think, or uh, I'm not 100%, but they do play GCU, if you know what I mean, in terms of that. So, so half our conference opens up, the other half doesn't. So, uh, but uh, yeah, should be good. Good. Let's go to Brad. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, like Dan, I'm going to be watching uh, the Lewis UC Irvine match and and seeing seeing lots of that. And then as soon as Loyola plays, be watching lots of that. Um, and then Santa Barbara is going to be a lot of good volleyball out there at the A6 Invitational, the formerly the Elephant Bar, the E Bar. Um, so that's where my eyes are going to be. All right, Theo. Yeah, sure. I, you know, week one I feel like is always interesting. Um, every team is coming off of a break. Right. So limited training. Um, we have very limited scout info. Right. Which is probably one of the few times, especially now with the way that technology is. I mean, this is probably one of the few weeks where you're playing a lot of blind um, and not knowing a lot about teams and, and the systems and what they're doing. And, um, but, yeah, th that Santa Barbara tournament is going to be really special. A lot of really, really talented teams. And, you know, like Brad said, we're kind of jumping into the fire right out of the gate and um, we're really excited for it. So I'm. Um, all eyes are kind of on that tournament, USC, UCLA, uh, Lincoln Memorial, and then uh, super excited to see Lewis and, uh, and Irvine go at it. Yep. And Dave. I'm watching it all, right? It's the off season for me. So I'm watching it all. Anybody 
it's free, uh, you know, big, Ten, I don't think I have big 10 network or big 10 plus or whatever it is. Right. That I think streams the men's matches sometimes, but yeah, I'm watching it all. And specifically Lewis, Penn state, uh, Pepperdine and Stanford, because you guys are the ones that are making the trip to Austin in the middle of, um, middle of January, huh? Dan, is that when yeah. it's 21st? I think? Yeah. 21st. So yeah, those, those four teams are coming to Austin and, uh, I'm going to try to sneak in there and watch those matches if they let me in. And, um, so I'll be keeping an eye on those teams and just trying to, to see what they've been doing, but it, it's the first time that I just get to sit back and watch it all and get all in and not have a vested interest in uh, this team. You know, we're playing this team soon. So I want to watch this more. What are they doing? But I get to cheer for all my friends. And um, yeah, that's the reason I wanted to come and harass you guys a little bit today is men's volleyball has got a good community, good coaches, uh, good fan support. Um, so yeah, even though I'm not seeing you guys every day, it's still uh, on my mind. Dave, you're you're like on the live tour now. You're not allowed to come back on both sides. And yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And yeah, you're gonna go on some press conference and uh, talk about me and just oh yeah, I yeah. get that. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I was like, Dave, add one. you're on. Dave's on coffee number two. You gotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of the vanilla sweet cream cold brew, but if you get the venti, it's not as good. So I just. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you are so bougie now. Yeah, I'm from Malibu. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> well, I'm just going to add one match in uh, Lewis and BYU because BYU is one of the only teams I know absolutely zero about. Like, I don't know who's coming back except for they got uh, a setter transfer from Grand Canyon in Hugh Heath Hughes, but that's about it. So uh, I'm curious what uh, Olmstead's going to come out with this. They year. got some Brazilian guy coming. Man, I know that. Yeah, but they've got, 14, there, they've got 14 21 year old freshmen coming back from their mission. So <laughs> we don't know who those guys are. It's, it's, <laughs> it's BYU. You know? we'll okay. I, I don't know either, but we're just going to try and serve the ball in. So that's, <laughs> that's always a good goal. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. It travels you, you farther there. <laughs> serve, serve in and hit in. That would yeah. also oh. have your chances. Hey, I, I got to write <laughs> that notes, down. Boys. Hang on. Take notes. Yep. Serve and hit in. Is that what it is? Yep. Oh. <laughs> Why didn't you guys lead with this when, they, when we needed the advice? That <laughs> was the head coaching <laughs> advice. Because I've told you that before, but you don't listen to me, Brad. So <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The former Pepperdine bench here sitting in the uh, video here. Hey, um. <laughs> I wanted to add that, uh, yes, I, I'm going to do some self-promotion here, but it's for a good cause. The first point challenge is January 20th and 21st at the Austin Convention Center, which I will be working this year. That's the teams of Lewis, Penn State, Stanford, and Pepperdine. So uh, I'm excited to be out there and be on board because it looks like a great event. Uh, Hawaii was there last year um, and saw some great plays. So Looking forward to doing that with the First Point uh, Foundation and the First Point Collegiate Challenge, which Dan will be there. And, uh, you know, he's going to take on first-year coach John Winder, another Pepperdine connection here on the screen. But, you know, Penn State, Stanford, all looking good. So, um, hey, fans, do me a favor. <clears throat> follow these guys' programs. Follow, go to their websites. Follow them. We need to see that there is a following out there for men's volleyball. It's Jay Hossick, George Mason. Dan Friend of Lewis, Brad Rostratter of Cal State, uh, sorry, UC San Diego, Theo Edwards of Cal State Northridge, and we'll go Dave Hunt of just Dave Hunt University, or we'll go Texas Volleyball. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. 
I appreciate your guys' time. Actually, wow, hour. That's a that's a big bonus there. Uh, appreciate your time. Looking forward to seeing you guys all again. And Dave, if you want to come back on, we'll we'll take you. But we're gonna have a, a good bench here. I've I got verbal commitments from Nygaard, Costi, Hawks, Pav, and I'm forgetting one in there. So um, but they want to come on. So uh we can have some guest contributors from week to week. Thanks for listening to College Volleyball Weekly. Be sure to follow Rob Esparrow at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter.